see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Welcome to our first ever episode of the Art Box, recorded in beautiful Virgin Valley, Nevada and sponsored by the Virgin Valley Artists Association. Our association has something for everyone. Come get creative with us at 15 West Mesquite Boulevard, Mesquite, Nevada, and find us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com. Hosting today's episode is Rochelle Knight and Steve Dudrow. Let's go have some fun. Hey, Dottie, thank you for the great introduction. So my name is Steve, and my co-host is Rachel Knight. <laughs> Rochelle. <laughs> Rochelle. Rochelle. I'm sorry. I know it's Rochelle. I just like to give her a bad time. Um, so we are, um, yeah, we agreed to do this podcast, and um, we hope it'll be fun. We hope you'll have fun. Um, we'll give you an email address so you can... Um, um, give us good comments. You can send us hate mail if you want. Um, but um, here we are. So I'm retired, and I've been at the art gallery. How long have I been in the art gallery, Rochelle? About a year. Yeah. Well, my number is I'm artist number 583. That's assuming that I'm an artist because I wouldn't go that far. And your number is what? 214. Oh my so, goodness, yeah. you're it's an been old a few years timer. For me. Yeah. But we know number one. Kathleen? Yeah, we're going to interview number one. And we get to hear all about how she became number one. Yeah, she's number one. She's the only one actually gets to say number one, 214. So we're just going to go by our numbers from now on. Okay. So what's no up, 214? No, Rachel or Michelle, just 214. Yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah. so um, here we are. We're doing this, and I'm going to – I didn't introduce myself much, but we're going to plan an episode where we'll bore you with our details. Well, I'll bore you with my details. Rochelle's details are less than boring. Um, so, Rochelle, what do you got to say? So I'm Rochelle Knight. I'm a Salt Lake City-based artist, uh, but I just kind of split my time between Mesquite and Salt Lake. I have a studio here in Mesquite, and you've probably seen some of my artwork around town on the utility boxes that have been decorated. That is all my art, so that's my claim to fame in Mesquite. And I'm really looking forward to being part of this podcast. I think uh, it'll be great to get some... um, promotion out for the gallery. Maybe a lot of people don't really know what the gallery is about, what classes they offer. Um, I think it's, you know, just a treasure for Mesquite. So I'm glad that we're able to do this and and be able to shed light on what we do and then all the wonderful people who are associated with the gallery. And then I know we have a lot of other participants or (laughs) people we're going to interview from, uh, you know, that all have kind of an art interest but very varied you know not so much traditional we'll do traditional people but as far as like you know 2d photography um but we'll also be exploring different aspects of art and i'm really excited for that part yeah and i, and I think that's a good point because i think we were told when we pitched this grand idea of a podcast was that we didn't have to make it always all about art right okay we could do regional or citywide things and have other people on right and i think you know, everyone has an interest in art and creativity, innovation, that it's really part of all of our lives and probably every single career you could say requires some site, some um, 
some left brain thinking that's you know how inventions happen how new technologies and so I think everyone has something to say about art and so I think we will be able to show that there is traditional art but then there's there's different ways people think about art and maybe they don't even realize that they're using it during the day or um, just different aspects of art as far as what can do for us for our brains uh, for our emotional health things like that yeah and creativity in the workplace right no matter what you do right and, and really now it's um, become kind of a buzzword, at least. So my background um, before art was uh, similar to Steve's in technology as a software engineer. And people don't really think about it because it's such a technical area. But there's so much creativity that's involved. You know, problem solving is really creativity. And that was probably my favorite part. I think my passions in life have to do more around creativity than, um, than technical aspects. And so it's just interesting because I think software engineers have, um, there's kind of a stereotype, and you probably wouldn't think that they're really truly artists. So I think, I think it's kind of neat to think of it as a, you know, in a different perspective. Yeah, they're nerds. They are art nerds. <laughs> yeah. But if but if you didn't have the creativity, well, it was always fun to come up with a solution to a business problem that where you, you thought it through outside the box. Yep which we'll get to that the name of our um, podcast is called The Art Box. Now, I don't know where we're going to be thinking out of The Art Box, but... I like that. <laughs> the Art Box. Hey, so um, the one thing, so I, I think both of us have listened to about a million podcasts in preparing for this, and Lord knows how good we'll do. We're going to try our best for you. But um, I think we both settled on our favorites is... Um, uh, art Jews which is put on by Louise Fletcher and Alice Sheridan. They are both UK-based artists. They're both abstract artists, which I think is really fascinating. They um, currently, I believe, have about 170 episodes. They've been doing it once a week for quite a while, whatever 52 into 170 is, how many years. Um, but just fascinating. They, they just talk together. They don't really interview anybody else, so it's just the two of them talking about different aspects of their careers, um, and then, you know, talking about different workshops that they're teaching. And um, they do ask people to submit questions, which I think maybe we could do eventually is, is take feedback through our email, but maybe also have people uh, ask questions. And maybe when we know ahead of time who we're going to interview is they can, people could write in and say, I have a specific question for this specific person. And so maybe we could get to those sometimes in the podcast. Yeah, good point. Because we, we should try to we'll publish a list. Yeah, on the website. The website. And you can find us on, I think, Spotify, Google, all over the place. So we'll get that out, too. Oh, and you mentioned the email mm -hmm. for the hate mail. I mean, the, <laughs> our adoring fans. That is going to be, I'll just say it now, it's going to be vvartsartbox at gmail.com. We'll, we'll put that up on the website, too, because we're going to have a Facebook page. Awesome. Um, that we'll give you soon and a um, Instagram page right and I'd like to see on the Instagram page you know so if we mention so say Tyler um, who's going to be our first guest has you know talks about a specific piece of his art or maybe a couple that um, of course with the podcast you can't see any of that and art is very visual and so maybe on both the Facebook and the Instagram accounts that we can publish different notes, different websites maybe that we mention, as well as um, get you visuals as, uh, of what we talk about. So, yeah, perfect. 
Okay. Rochelle, what have you been doing this week? I had kind of an exciting week. I was asked to submit a proposal for um, a mural in a Mexican restaurant in Utah. Uh, so that was kind of a, a really new experience for me. I Most of my paintings are, are very large, so I'm used to painting on very large surfaces. I have yet to do a mural, and so this was going to be a great uh, addition to my portfolio and just great to have that new experience. And so uh, I met with them. I measured out all the areas. We talked about subject matter, uh, colors, and um, it's really kind of exciting because a lot of it was just left up to me, which I think is great to have the freedom to pick, you know, different access, different colors, even just the style of the mural. So realistic versus not, versus, you know, stylized. Um, So anyway, that was a really great experience. I put together a proposal. I did a lot of research you know, from other muralists to find out pricing structures and, and different pitfalls that you have to be aware of and, and things that you have to make sure to put in your contract and uh, just dealing with, with timelines and deposits and, you know, design fees and all that kind of stuff. Stuff that I probably would have just done and, and not really even thought to put on a line item. And um, so, yeah, so it was really interesting. I, I proposed it today, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, so yeah, something kind of exciting to, even if it doesn't turn out, it's been a great experience for me to have to think of along all these different lines, like surface preparation and what kind of paint, whether it's, you know, latex, ion acrylic, or one or the other, or both, and then, you know, protection afterwards as far as sunlight goes, and um, so yeah, so it was a really great experience. So about, about you. Oh, well, well, first, can I ask you about the latex versus acrylic? Sure. So I know you're an acrylic painter. Yes. Okay. And I never get to watch you paint. Someday. So, but no, because you don't ever allow <laughs> don't. anybody in your gallery. I see you come out of the gallery like, covered in the head to toe and all these colorful <laughs> paints. But would you do a big mural in acrylic, or is that too expensive? And, and, and I'm, I'm going to get to because the guy that I ran into in Las Vegas who's doing the, um, the uh, traffic control boxes, mm-hmm. I think I showed you, Michael something or another is his name. I would need to advertise for him, too. He's pretty good person but he was doing latex i mean yeah he was doing all latex because he said that the acrylic was too expensive for those big big areas like that see one thing and, and i don't know enough about heat as it relates to latex it's you know there is kind of almost like a you don't rubber. know about heat and you live in mesquite part time <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know how heat would affect latex i'm actually kind of surprised because i did see the box and it was a metal box you know like every utility box is um, and especially in, in Vegas or areas like Mesquite, it's going to get very, very hot. So I'm not sure how latex would actually perform on there. It would be interesting to know. You, you said he's, he's been doing it for a long time, so yeah. I guess he, he knows. Um, acrylic does, just normal acrylic does, you know, have some temperature constraints. Luckily for mine, it would be indoors. I think there's, there's quite a difference there. So, you know, this restaurant's going to be temperature controlled. Um, and so I, I think there's different aspects that you would have to think about whether you're doing it on cinder block or metal and again outside versus inside my thoughts for at least this mural that I was bidding is for larger surface areas you know so if we were going to do a sky then you know that'd be a pretty good area and so I would probably uh, use latex for that just to get good coverage it'd be a lot cheaper than you know a gallon of paint could go so much farther where acrylic paint to you know to use that for such a large surface would be very expensive and I think they play well together I think you know uh, latex first probably like a semi-gloss and then acrylic on top would look would look really nice so the acrylic would be 
you know, it'd still be pretty expensive. It'd still be a lot of paint, but um, but I, I think it could be a nice marriage between the two anytime. Uh, and, it, you know, and even so say I was going to paint a ton of orange flowers, then maybe it would be worth it to go get a, you know, a gallon of a really pretty orange and use that. And so I think, I think they'd probably do both is what, is what I'm hoping to do. I know a lot of that, uh, outside like a building mural, I think they use a lot of spray paint for those areas. So if it's going to be a big block of color, then they use spray paint and then they kind of, you know, fine tune down and, and to the point where right at the end they're using brushes and even actually fine, fine brushes. So I think it just depends on where it is, the temperature, the surface. The surface is very important. Well, I hope you get that. Me too. It would be exciting. So, and okay. so what have I been doing? Yes. You mean besides shaking in my boots that we're going to actually <laughs> start our podcast? Because it's been a couple months ago we got approved for this. Yes. Okay. We've listened to all these podcasts, and we're thinking, oh, this is going to be easy. No, we weren't thinking it was going to be easy. <laughs> In our very first episode, we are going to interview Tyler Roylance, and Tyler is um, the art teacher, I don't know, the only art teacher, at Virgin Valley High School. So, and we're really excited to have Tyler. Um, he teaches um, drawing classes on, what day, Tyler? Tuesdays. On Tuesdays from 2 to 4. Okay. Mm -hmm. And um, I've taken the classes. Have you been to the classes? Yep. I did the portraits. Mm -hmm. So now, are you going to do that during the summer? Uh, no, I'm actually going to be going on a little bit of a vacation. Okay. So this coming Tuesday uh, is uh, the final one I'm going to do before I take off. And so start back up in the fall? Yeah, I think August. Awesome. First, first week of August. Okay. Yeah. Can I hear you and ask where you're going? Uh, a lot of places. Uh, Idaho, Colorado, Nebraska, Texas. Awesome. Yeah. That sounds yeah. really fun. I'm, I'm regretting with the prices right now of gas. Oh, gosh. But we planned it back in January, so... Oh, you're not, you're not riding your bike? Uh, you know what? There we go. That's what I should do. Do you know what? I'm thinking of uh, the Flintstone thing. Just You cut a hole in the bottom. There you and go. You and then kids. just have all the kids run. Yes, right. Just got to say it's a family thing, guys. Get pedal or get <laughs> scooting. <laughs> yeah, we're going to solve the energy crisis here, aren't we? <laughs> just cut out the bottoms and, of every car. All right. Well, and we'll be healthy, right? It'll be leg day every day. There you go. Every leg day, day every day. <laughs> Okay, so Tyler, um, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, uh, so uh, I'm from uh, Idaho. I actually was born in Texas, raised in Idaho, and then um, I uh, ended up moving out to Nevada to teach. So I met my wife in Idaho. That's where we had our first child, and then our second child was born here. Awesome. So you, you, you have more than one? Yes, we have two kids. Yep, I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So it was a seven-year-old that was with you? At, yes. Okay. And he's the one that, did he win the staring contest against Mike Zizikowski, Sharon's husband, or did he? I'm pretty sure Mike won. Is Mike won? <laughs> yeah. His attention span is not that long. Yeah, it probably has nothing to do with blinking. It's just He did pretty well, though. <laughs> okay. So we've got this party all going all around, and, and then there's Mike, Sharon's husband, and Tyler's son, who was just a little sweetheart. My wife just fell in love with him, but... And then Mike's like, um, I, I had a staring contest with Tyler, so <laughs> I thought that was so great. And then you guys went home, and you both hopped on your bikes and left, and I thought, mm -hmm. this really rocks. Okay, so I'm sorry, Tyler, go on. Yeah, um, 
uh, I don't know what else to say. Uh, how, how, so. how long have you been at the high school? Oh, yeah. So I've been here for six years. This I just finished my sixth year teaching at the high school. Wow. Congratulations. Uh, next year will be my seventh. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Now, did you go to art school? Uh, yeah, I did go to school, yes. Okay. Because I just remember in our portrait class you talking about you know, when you would do figures and, oh my gosh, you had, was it a minute, every, every pose? Is that yeah, right? That or something like that. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. So I, I remember, because um, uh, I did drawing first and then I did sculpting afterwards. Awesome. And I kind of wish I'd done it the other way around because, uh, you know, doing the drawing classes, I feel like I did pretty well. But when I was in the sculpting class, it was, it was more about learning about how their form is as a person and it gave me a better idea of what I was drawing. Right. And I noticed that when I did a drawing afterwards that my drawing had improved dramatically. Interesting. And so uh, if I could have uh, done it all over again, I would have started with the sculpting, but then I probably would just stay there because I loved it so much. Now, do you teach that in your classes at, at high um, I, I tried. Uh, I find uh, clay is very aggravating for me with high school kids because they find very fun places to put it that I don't want it to be in. How has the way you approached art transformed your life? So how have I approached art? Well, um, when I was a kid, it was very representational. I always wanted to try to show things as they are. It was about trying to draw things exactly what I saw, and that was what drove me until probably near the end of my uh, college experience. Uh, I had a... Uh, an art forum I went to where I don't remember who the guest speaker was. I've tried looking him up several times. I can't remember his name. Can't find him by looking up his art. But uh, he was very much the same way. He was a realist. He only did realism. And he went to go uh, work on a master's in art. And he had this professor that was driving him nuts. Every time you do a painting, the, the professor would say, but what does that mean to you? Mm -hmm. And every time, he'd get frustrated and try something new. And everyone there was very, very abstract. So he tried growing abstract, but he'd get the same question. And he couldn't figure out, and he was just trying to please his teacher. And nothing seemed to please him, because every time he'd get the question, well, what does this mean to you? And he started getting extremely abstract. It wasn't meaning anything to him. And then finally, he had the birth of his son. And then he painted this series. And this is what he was displaying. And it was a bunch of balloons that had a light inside them and the balloons were unveiling and showing the light within. And it was uh, very amazing artwork. I loved his artwork. And it was about how he felt about that new life in his life. And it had meaning and it was powerful. And, uh, you know, I'd already enjoyed abstract just because of uh, the way you can just do things freely and just find things that you enjoy. Uh, but after that, I really got more into it. Interesting. So. I think abstract's nice too because it's not as stressful. I stress a lot about mine. I get kind of neurotic, and um, and I, I think abstract's nice because you give yourself the freedom to to just do it, and there's no right or wrong. And yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's really nice. Yeah, you put down these brush strokes, and you look at it and you say, hmm. That looks okay, but I wonder how it would look if I did this. And you right. can paint right over it. Right. It's okay. Yeah. Well, now, just because we're on this subject, 
It's it's one that I've been mulling over. We listen a lot to Art Juice. It's a, uh, another. Okay. Do you know that one with Louise and Alice? It's a really popular uh, art podcast. They are both abstract painters. Two ladies uh, from the UK, and neither one of them started out abstract, and they eventually got there. And a lot of times when you talk to artists, and especially from the gallery, I think where a lot of them are kind of newer, and you know they didn't maybe go to school. They haven't been doing this for their whole career. Everybody says, I want to be freer with my art. And I'm the same way. And I find myself always going back. And I use a lot of reference photos. And I think, you know, that's kind of, I want it to look like that. And, and then I get obsessed with that. Anyway, but I always say, I want to be freer. And the paintings where I have been freer, I enjoy. And, and I can let go and say, it's done. Not even going to look at Absolutely. it. I'll put some varnish on it and be done. And so I, in my opinion, and I'm kind of hard on myself, but I feel like, the fact that I can't be freer, or I'm, you know, I'm trying to grow into that, but is that a sign of a younger artist, meaning younger in their career or their practice? Do you think trying to be too realistic and then moving to, to more abstract, is that kind of a, a normal linear progression? Do you think, because I can, I, now I think, well, I'm, am I going to be like Alice and Louise and eventually 10, 20 years down the road, I'm doing abstracts. Do you th- I don't know. What, what is your opinion on that? So I'm going to answer this as an art teacher. Okay, awesome. So uh, naturally, if you look at art, you'll notice that there's, you know, go back to the, the, the height of it all, the best of the best. You've got this Greek and Roman art, and it's so amazing. And for, you know, over a thousand years, that was, that was the setup. That's what you did. You right. studied their work, and you recreated it. Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, that's what they did. They studied this kind of stuff, and they recreated it and they became amazing artists because they were all about that representation and that continued until you know well past the 1700s but the real thing that changed is once you got to the 1800s something happened that changed the world a man figured out that you can take a box capture light and have a photograph and once photographs are being taken why recreate something that can be done instantly and so suddenly you have these new movements starting up. You know, post-impressionism is really one of the first ones to really start moving away, being a little bit more impressionistic on the way you put your strokes. And then it gets a little bit more abstract, going to cubism, and then finally to like something really super abstract. You know, on that same note, think of, uh, you know, one of the most famous people, if you say cubism, everyone would mean like, oh, Picasso. Right. Well, go... Google search his images and you'll find his very first images he ever did absolutely phenomenal, absolutely precise. They look like photographs. He was that talented. But it's not about being able to recreate. Being able to recreate will help you achieve what you want. What you're really going after is what you, I guess, what is your passion wanting you to do, Mm -hmm. right? And if your inner, inner voice is saying, I want this to be this way, and you're ignoring it because you want realism. Right. You know, it only takes a matter of time until finally you listen and you realize, oh, that's good. Right. Yeah, and I, I think I straddle the fence. My husband even says this. He said, you know, you need to decide, are you, are you stylized or you're a realist? Because I do t- straddle that fence. And it's actually painful for me because I, I, all of a sudden the critic in my head says, oh, that doesn't really look like a lizard or whatever. And so then I, I go back to a real photo and I, that's my big mistake right there and um, you know I know we don't have to like define what kind of artist we are but I do know I enjoy it more when I'm not mm-hmm. stressing about getting it perfect 
And then sometimes, and and this is nothing against people who are realists, but sometimes I just I feel like um, if you want realism, there are photographs, and yeah. you know, and and there's no right or wrong, so I don't want to show a bias or say that, but but you do kind of see that that. Did you put your feelings in there? What does that mean to you? Just like your art yeah. teacher said. Yeah. So. You know, and, and like, it's not wrong to use photo references and it's, you know, not wrong to do realism. You know, realism is a way that you can express yourself still. Mm-hmm. And art is a type of expression. So it's still an important thing. It's an important tool to learn. And photo references are very important too because you can actually look at, it's amazing. We can, we can pull up a picture of anything you want today. And you can see what it really is, and you can think about how do I want to stylize this. Say mm-hmm. you're doing a you know a duck, you, know, you look at that bill and say how do I want to stylize this bill, and you look at the picture and you think of different ways you could do it, and you approach the one that you like. So mm-hmm. even though you're not doing representational, the photo reference is still something that can really help you out. Right, and I, I like that. I think that's a that's a really good definition, and that's one thing I I I don't know off the top of my head exactly what stylized the definition would be, but in how I think of it is, you know what it is. This is not a perfect duck, but you know it's a duck. You know, and, and maybe I'll exa- you can exaggerate a certain feature, like the bill. Maybe you want to make it bigger. You still know it's a duck. And, yeah. So yeah. That's, that's why I don't know if you have a better definition of stylized, but um, that's mine. I got a fun one. If, if you like Scooby-Doo, uh, you know, uh, you can go watch the, uh, was it, like 180-something the, you know, I don't know how oh, many there yeah, are. There's so many of them. Yeah, there are. No, there's there's way more than that. There's thousands. Mm-hmm. But like if you go watch them, you'll find out there's there's a style of the original, and then they have a style of the next one that came out, and then there's a style of the next one. There's at least four styles of animated, and then they've got the you know the realism ones where they have real people, mm-hmm. and so like there's all sorts of different styles, and so think about how each one approached it differently. You look at it, and you're like, oh, I know that Shaggy. Right. Oh yeah. But it doesn't look like the other Shaggy. What a good example. And so you, those are all different types yeah. or, or different, yeah, like you said, styles of maybe stylized. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, all right. That's a great analogy. Hey, so you're an art teacher. Yeah, why, why did you choose to be an art teacher? Great question. So, it, was, it wasn't the money? Can I say it wasn't the money? <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. So my grandfather was actually a woodshop teacher. And... Uh, and fun fact, he his uh, school was uh, was up in, in Utah in Provo. Their mascot, the Bulldogs, colors green and white. So like, you know, it just felt right coming here. <laughs> anyway, but um, you know his uh, you know I I always like that to know that about him. But I wanted to be a teacher when I was a kid, just doing art. And I thought I want to be an art teacher. My uh, my actual art teacher convinced me not to. So I decided to go into one of my other passions, gardening, and I went and uh, studied horticulture, uh, you know, plant sciences, mm-hmm. got a job at a nursery as a manager and was doing that. And one of my jobs as manager was teaching their night class on gardening. So I was teaching these gardening classes and I was like, this is so much fun. I love teaching these classes. Why don't I do this during the winter? Because I'm in Driggs, Idaho, where it's frozen half the year. <laughs> and that time of the year, schools are open so why don't I just landscape in the summer and teach in the winter and uh, so I, I uh, went and got a teaching license and then I couldn't find a job in Idaho and ended up here awesome <laughs> and we're happy to have you here I'm, I'm glad to be here yes, yes we are 
So this is maybe kind of a hard question. I don't know. And it's definitely left up to an artist's um, interpretation. But what is your art truth? And can you explain or express it? Okay. So um, my art truth is um, would be expression and release. So there are things in your life that kind of like nag on. For example, like people will get trapped emotions. You're upset. So maybe like, for example, your, your grandmother died and you've been really sad and you can't get over that. And, you know, you can take time to do meditations and breathing to help release it. But art is a form of release. And so, you know, being able to sit down and just express yourself and allow your body to release things into that painting and it becomes something that was trapped inside you. Mm -hmm. That is uh, what I think art is all about, is that expression, that that release of things that are having captured inside you that you need out. Right. So now, sorry, I'm going to interrupt just two seconds because Steve and I were actually talking some uh, about this in a similar conversation. And um, I was thinking, you know, I've done, seen different therapies and stuff. And so a lot of times if families have problems with they have a resentment, a specific resentment. And I saw uh, one time that everyone wrote down their resentments and then they uh, tied him to a balloon and they let him go. And that was symbolic of like, okay, we, we understood, we've conversed about it, and now it's time to let it go. And, and that means we're kind of wiping this, this slate clean. Do you think, so it'd be interesting to, for me to know, so say you did have you know, a bad event that you, you couldn't let go of, do you think painting about it and then you put it on a shelf somewhere, do you think that's, that can happen where you're just like, okay, now I'm done with this. I, I can move on. Do you think that can happen with art? I mean, for some people maybe, but mm-hmm. I feel like you kind of have to do something with it, like whether it be share it or, you know, burn it. I don't know. Right. You got to right. do something with it. Okay. You know, and so, uh, yeah, there, you know, completing it is one part of the release. Right, right. And I think sharing, I think that is good because then you're, it's not just you, you are admitting to everybody that this was my thing and, and maybe you are making a promise that, okay, by doing this and by sharing it, I am letting it go. Mm-hmm. Just not the balloons because then we got to pick them up in yeah. the desert. Yeah, now yeah. I, I do. They come back down somewhere. There's <laughs> someone, someone will have a curiosity, what does this balloon say? There, there's not a hike I take that we don't pick up a balloon. They're always my lark. So, but then the one balloon story. So our friend Tom Clough, mm-hmm. you know Tom, um, he's al- always hiking. So he finds a mylar balloon out in the desert, and he finds um, a card with it, an envelope. So he opens up the envelope, and it's a birthday card. And inside the birthday card, the envelope is a hundred dollar bill. Nice. So Tom, being the nice person he is, it was um, it was Hispanic. It was Spanish card. So he finds. Uh, he, he couldn't see a name or anything, so he finds a first Hispanic organization, and he goes and donates the hundred dollars. So. Oh, what a good yeah, person! That's really awesome. I would, better, have it, I would be, use it on tacos. That, that better than me. She she would have taken it to to Blick and yep, Dick Blick would have had a fresh hundred dollar bill that day. Okay, so next question: What is your style? Where do you get your ideas? Okay, um, so. I have a few different styles I like to roll with. Um, so uh, Im- impressionism is well, yeah. I like I really like to do stuff that's impressionistic. Mm-hmm. You know, where I can just put down big thick brushes and um, 
just let it be free a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I, one of the very first ones where I was like, I want to do something that looks like this. And I want it to be impressionistic. And I spent hours on it trying to make sure that I did it right. And at, by the time I got to the end, I was really just flowing because I kind of figured it out. But like I had a certain way I wanted it to look and that's not the way you should approach it. <laughs> really? Okay. So sometimes um, I think I should envision it first and then make that happen. Yeah. But you're saying you know, I don't, I don't think it's wrong to practice something beforehand. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I definitely should have sat down and practiced a little bit on something else before. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, when I look at it, I can tell what part I started on. Other people don't really notice, but I can definitely tell. And so I think it's important to practice beforehand, okay. you know. Right. So what other styles do you use? Oh, yes. Um, so uh, I love cartoons. I, I like to uh, do little drawings where they're very cartoonish. Mm -hmm. um, when I first went to college, actually, that's the way I wrote home. I didn't write letters home. I just drew comics. Um, my dad gave me a phone call and got upset with me. He's like, you've been gone for three weeks. We haven't heard from you. You've got this cell phone thing and you've never used it. <laughs> and like, you don't write. You got email. Come on. And so I was like, oh, okay. So I started writing comics. I would send home a weekly comic strip to my mom. That is, I hope she kept them. What a treasure um, that would be for your kids. Yeah, some of them. Good. Yeah, I think that's great. Very yeah. unique. So how do you handle mistakes and the critic in your head? And this one I'm really excited to hear. Uh -huh. um, so uh, it's taken me a long time to kind of get where I'm at now, uh, you know. <laughs> So, uh, you know, originally, you know, like the critic in my head would go and I'd constantly revise and rechange and, and do things like that. And um, more recently, uh, one of the things that I've, I've done is I sat down and had a conversation with the critic in my head and I told him that he needs to give me better criticisms or not necessarily better criticisms, but uh, only give me the ones that will help me <laughs> when it comes to making my right. artwork. <laughs> Productive. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've had a few conversations, the critic in my head and I, and, and uh, I feel like it's, it's, it's helping a little bit more. Uh, it actually starts giving me suggestions instead now. And you're and friends. So, Are you friends now? Yeah, <laughs> we're friends now. We're friends now. But it used to be like, oh, that doesn't look right. But now it's like, have you thought of this? And I'm like, oh, that's a good thought. Right. And so uh, I guess a little uh, mental training is what mm -hmm. that was. Mm -hmm. But, uh, it, hey, it worked out for me. And so that's what me, me and my mental critic do together. We, we talk to each other. Oh, see, now I'd like so, to get to that. And I have so a sometimes nasty when I'm doing one. art, I'll ask it opinions. Good. So. Oh, I think that's great. Yeah, I would, I hopefully will someday get to that point. Mine, mine, she can be kind of nasty, I think. And one thing with with critic, it would be interesting to know what are we worried about? Is it we're worried about being judged? I guess we're worried about someone saying, "Oh my gosh, that doesn't look right," or "That's those colors are funky," or is, is that what is that what the critic is? I don't know. And the thing that you know with art is it's not perfect, and it's expression and so why don't we just why aren't we comfortable with that I don't I don't know do you know yeah. like what do you tell your kids when they're when they're really stressing and they don't want to show anyone I think that's a huge step that yeah. artists make of, of, of they'll just start doing their thing and then for them to be able to share it that is that's a huge step I think and, and that shows maybe we're getting over the critic I don't know but what do you tell your kids so uh, have you seen that uh, animated uh, Luca with the mermaids Oh, no. Okay, so it's a fun little animation where this mermaid kid discovers when he's out of water, he's a boy. 
And uh, him and his friend go to do something. He's like, I don't know. He goes, oh, you're just listening to the Bruno in your head. He goes, what? He's like, yeah, there's a Bruno in your head. Don't listen to him. He's always criticizing you. Just don't listen to him. He's like, next time you hear him, you say, shut up, Bruno. And so they start chanting, shut up, Bruno. And so uh, when it comes to my kids, I tell them, I'm like, uh, you, know, you know, sometimes you have to say, that's just a suggestion. Mm-hmm. I acknowledge that su- suggestion. And I'm move on. You don't have to tell Bruno to shut up. <laughs> but just acknowledge it. Say, okay, I acknowledge your thought, and I'm not going to listen to it. Awesome. I like that. Yeah. That's very healthy, healthy mindset. And I guess you had a first part of that question, too. But, um, you know, I, I, I actually think the critic is very, very internal. It's, it's, it's really you. It's about... Right yourself in your own image it's kind of like that vanity thing when you step in front of a mirror you have to make sure you look good right. kind of thing it's that same thing it's that part of you that cares about you mm-hmm. it doesn't really care about others it cares about you and so that's what it's looking out for and so i feel like the critic in your head is just um i don't know for me where i'm like ocd i think in a way it's like you're gonna it's gonna bother you if you don't fix that so you better right. fix that right but other people who are not i don't know yeah, and I, I, I'm definitely that way. I'm OCD and, and to the point where I, I, I actually kind of punish myself, I think, with it. And it feels when these competitions come around and it's a deadline, that's when I get to say, okay, I'm done. And I will work and stress and, and you know, and overpaint sometimes. Uh, and I just need that deadline to just say it's done. Um, let's see, I, I forgot. I was going to ask you one more You know, thing some paintings, it's nice to approach them in a way where you can say, if I were to step out in the road to go get a Coke and I got hit by a car and they went to my studio and found this painting, would they think it's done? Right. And That's always good... approach it as if it's a finished painting. So I always work on it so it's always looking as if it could be finished. finished. You know, because, uh, you know, so for some artworks, they're never finished. You could always just step out and keep working on them. Well, you can. One of my art professors would just go out in the hall and paint on some of his, you know. He had some hanging out in the hall, <laughs> and uh, he'd be, he'd walk walk in one day and then grab his palette, walk back out, and next thing you know he's out there working on one of his paintings <laughs> out in the hall because he's like, I noticed something. See, and that happens to me sometimes when I get frustrated with something, I will put it away where I can't see it, and you know my basement. And then every once in a while, I call it shopping. I'll go shopping in my basement to see what I have. I don't even remember, and to see with fresh eyes. Sometimes I'm like, well, that wasn't so bad. And then other times, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's the mistakes are just staring me in my face. And um, so yeah, I think fresh eyes. There's one um, artist I love. His name's Terrence Osborne. He's a New Orleans artist. Very bright. He's very into his culture there. And he has a ginormous. He has a he has his own gallery, and it's just beautiful. But he has, and he paints very large. There's this huge one of this kind of Mardi Gras lady. Very pretty, and you know, it's on his website. It's it's been there for a long time. And then last year, he did the same thing. It's hanging in his gallery. He took his paints over there, and he, he kind of decorated it more. He gave her some tattoos and stuff. But it was so interesting, and he even talked yeah. about just, I've always felt every time I walk past her, she's not done. And I just thought, oh, that's so taboo. Because you hear, oh, once you sign your name, you step away and you never touch again. And so I, I thought, oh, and this guy I revere, like, so nice. He's human, too. Yeah. yeah. So Michelangelo, after he finished the Piedra, um, everyone was looking at it and saying, oh, what artist did this? This is so amazing. And he got upset because no one knew it was him. So he snuck back in at night with his chisel and carved his name into her sash. Oh, and so wow. so technically, he finished it and then finished it again. again. But 
Um, another thought is um, is on this, like for for every person, there's certain things that are energizing for them. Mm-hmm. There's things that drain you. There's things that energize you. And for anyone who's an artist, art regenerates you. It just gives you energy. You know, I can be exhausted yet still paint for 15 hours in my studio. I go home. I'm tired. I can go out and garden still because those are, you know, energizing for me. You know, um, and so. One of the thoughts is, is what's more energizing for you? Because for me, finishing an artwork gives me like this surge of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Working on it gives me energy, but it's not the same as when I finish it. So sometimes setting a deadline can be important for you. If you recognize you're a person that you get energy from finishing it, Mm -hmm. well, set deadlines for yourself. Say, hey, I'm going to work on this, you know, and let's do this and let's get it done so then you get that surge of energy you're like yes and then art is even more fulfilling for you right yeah and I think I would talk myself out of it I'd say okay hard and fast tonight at five o'clock this is going to be it's done whatever it looks like and then the next day I would go in and say oh my gosh I need to redo the whole thing (laughs) yeah and so you have to make declare it done celebrate it's finished and the next day it's a new piece to work on yeah and that's a good you're so cute you're so positive Good way to look I, at I got it. to go in somebody's studio yesterday because you don't get to visit there very often. <laughs> and there was this one picture that was kind of hanging in the back. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love this. She's like, no, that's not finished. I'm like, it's finished. It's, yeah. it's finished. Nothing well, no, look at this here. Look at that there. That's finished. Put your name on it. It's finished. And I have a bad habit, and it, I think we all do this. Of I, you know, when someone sees something, I I have to instantly point out my mistakes. And I think I'm trying to own like, oh, if they think this is funky, I, I want to tell them ahead of time. I know this is funky, and I, I have a, and I think sometimes I think about this when you paint your own house, and you know where your drips are, and and so anytime someone comes in, it's just like, oh, I didn't cut that line in right, or I've got all these drips, and that's all you see, and you, does it make sense? And of course, yeah. they don't see them. You know, they're yeah. just your house, and it's cute colors, and yeah. You're very much like my dad. My dad was a master woodworker, and he would have a piece for us and give it to us, and at Christmas time, and he'd say, oh, we'd be like, Dad, that is beautiful. Yeah, but right here, yeah. and, and that's her. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. I'm gonna show you this painting, but don't get within four feet of it. Oh, yeah. But that's nor okay. That's an interesting uh, kind of uh, art, the art thing that people maybe not know. Um, I read somewhere that the average person spends twenty five seconds. So if you're going through a gallery, that the average is only about twenty five seconds that they give each each painting, and then the advice they give artists is you should plan for your painting to be four feet so that people are going to stand back four feet and then what does it look like and I think that helps too with with being freer because they're not going to come right up to it sorry I just did that to the microphone (laughs) um you know to see is is every little detail perfect I am kind of rude that way because I do do that I get excited about art and I run and get close and, and study it but I think average people viewing is is four feet. Is that what is? How do you feel about that, um, or do you I, teach I that? I have my five 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 rule that I teach my kids, mm-hmm. and it is, um, you have to decide what your artwork's going to look like from five inches, five feet, and from five yards. Uh huh. And so, you know, like there's certain artworks that uh, are going to look that are going to look their best at five inches. You know, you get right. up close and you can admire all those details. You know, I got a little painting sitting on my desk that's one of those, you know, where it's got all these little intricate details. Um, then the majority are your five foot. Right. And then there are those that we want to be able to look at them across the room. Right mm-hmm. when you walk in the gallery, you look at it and you know exactly what it is. And there's no problem that you can just tell what it is because right. it's got the five yards. Right. And so, 
you know, if you can if you can create an artwork that's got all all three of those, phenomenal, right? But you don't need all three. Right. Just choose where you're focusing on. Okay, done. I like that. Now, do you have an example of one that fits all three off the top of your head? That'd be interesting to look at. Um, Sorry, that's putting me really on the spot. I was really on the spot. I can't think of anything <laughs> All right, now. Think, do you know what? Think about it. Let us know, and we'll put it in our podcast notes down at the bottom. And so, oh, okay. so we there can we have go. your perfect answer. Okay. So I know you're going to hate me now, but um, can I bring up rules? Okay. Uh-oh. So how, how, how do you fight the urge to obey the rules? I didn't know. Are there rules? So, and, and then which of those are tenants of your creation? So, um, rules are more like guidelines. <laughs> so, uh, you know, definitely you, you learn the rules as you're going through. Uh, there are some media that are uh, forgiving, others that are not. For example, with watercolor, you follow the rules. Yeah. With oil, you know. You can break them and bend them and do whatever you want because oil is so forgiving. It is forgiving. And so uh, I think ultimately it just depends on what medium you chose to work with. So for like example, when, when I was learning how to, how to paint with watercolors, you know, I would of course always break the rules because I want to try different things out. And you quickly find the rules are there for a reason with watercolor. Right. You know, then I learned oil and I went quickly to break the rules and discovered there was no consequences. Well, you know, for the most part. Right. Anyway, so... Yeah. The fact that uh, it doesn't dry very fast you know, you Consequences of are your best teacher. And when it comes to art and rules, uh, the rules that have consequences for not following are the ones that you learn to follow. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty much where I am with rules, <laughs> is uh, I try things just to try them, you know. Uh, I'm kind of experimental, so it's like, ooh, let's try that. And then you find out, oh, yeah, that's why not. Right. <laughs> I, I think I've said this before that I think that's – I don't like to watch art videos or um, – I mean, I do a little bit, but I think because I do want to figure it out myself, and I think that's part of my art is just – and it's the exploration. I think that's probably a, a cliche, but I really enjoy that. And and I probably always come up with, with the te- techniques that – it's not like I'm discovering something that no one else has – but I discovered it by myself rather than watching somebody else do it and say, this is how you should do it or how you, you know what I mean? And so I think, I think that's part of, of art, I think, is just being able to play by yourself and explore. So Tyler, when did you know you were an artist? Mm-hmm. So I believe it was when I was six year old, um, Christmas time, parents gave a few different art books. I actually still have them. I found them just last week when I was cleaning some bookshelves. Can you believe that? Anyway, but uh, there was uh, uh, three different how to draw books and I sat down and I drew every single picture in the book and I did not stop drawing them until I got them right. And then I went to the next one and to the next one and that's when I really got into drawing because then I started drawing those all over the place. Um, and you know, of course, when I got to high school, I got a little more uh, cartoony mm-hmm. and I started drawing really cartoony stuff. Drew little cartoon chickens and cows everywhere. I might have been obsessed with KFC, uh, not KFC, Chick-fil-A, my bad, wrong one. I like, I like both of them actually, but that's my guilty pleasure, that's my guilty pleasure. When, I, when I'm having a bad day and I need a little pick-me-up, that's where I go. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, yeah, that's when I first discovered that I was an artist. You know? Wow, that's awesome, I really like that. Okay, so I love the analogy, it's called the first pancake analogy. And I think, again, I always bring this all back to me because 
I guess that's my reference. But, and I think it's kind of something you touched on earlier that maybe it's okay to practice before you do a real one. And I think that a lot of times I, I don't want to take the time. I get too excited. And, and I have, you know, really expensive canvases that are, are supposed to be for the real one that I'm going to sign. And I have what I call practice canvases. And most of the time I skip that first step and I go to the expensive ones and I get partway through and I put too much paint on there and I hate that feeling. And, Oh, and so it, it would be a great habit for me to get into. But but how do you feel about that, that the first one is always a throwaway, like you would do with a pancake? So the first time I ever saw one actually throw away their first pancake, I was shocked. I was abhorred. I was like, oh, how could you? <laughs> now, um, and, and, and the, the main reason for this, bringing it back to art, is the first one is definitely a practice. You know it's not going to turn out well, but it's to learn from. And so that first pancake, whenever I make the first pancake, yeah, sure, it's burned. But you know what? I have to eat it to find out. Is my pancake better right? Do I want to mix anything else in this? Ooh, do I have any ideas of something else I could add to this? And because uh, I never make pancakes the same, they're always a little different, you know. And so likewise, you know, with your art, your first one is to you know practice. Sure, yeah, you got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. But there's that learning part of it. You have to recognize what did you learn from it, and then you move on to the real thing. Right. Yeah, and I, I, I think I skip that step too much. And even with, you know, your composition and, you know, the different color palette you're going to use, a lot of times I'm figuring that out on the final one, and I, I shouldn't skip those steps. I get so excited to, oh, I want to do this, and I don't want to take that. Just go straight for the real thing. I do. Yes. It's like dessert first. So um, when you're by yourself in your studio, um, do you listen to music? Do you listen to podcasts? Book on tape? I said tape again. <laughs> We date ourselves by saying that. No one listens to hey, tapes. Uh, I, I have a tape player in my car, and I have listened to tapes on it. Yeah, but, but not eight tracks. Definitely not. And so um, anyway, um, I do, and uh, it, it kind of depends. Uh, for me, I have a few different things I really enjoy listening to. I absolutely love random pointless facts. Um, and uh, so... Uh, I, actually, when I was in high school, my friends got a book that was like uh, 10,000 random pointless facts. We read the whole thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's one thing that I love listening to. I love listening to different science channels. Uh, I uh, have, uh, you know, different lists that I listen to. Uh, theology is one that I like to listen to. So uh, I'll, I'll pick different uh, religions and listen to, to uh, you know, either whether it be a sermon or it be a talk or a discussion on it um, and then different podcasts and uh, but music is my usual go to do when I'm I'm uh, I'm working and it just depends on the time of what I'm doing because sometimes I want it to have a beat mm-hmm. and so I gotta find something like techno or you know you know a jazz or something like that that's got that heavy beat and sometimes I want something a little soft so I'll just play some some smoother soft symphony music and sometimes I uh, rock some rock the 80s or you know so there's all sorts of different music that I listen to and Awesome. So where do you go to hear the random facts? Is that a podcast or where is that? Um, so uh, there there was one. I'm trying to remember. What's his name? Uh, da, 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 da. Is it John Green? I don't remember his name. Anyway, uh, he does. Uh, no, it's not him. It's his brother. So him and his brother both do uh, videos and podcasts and stuff like that. And uh, one of them, he is part of the cast of SciShow. 
SciShow is another one I like too because they'll just pick a random fact and share it uh, and they go into the science of it. Uh, but his brother does the opposite where he just does random facts. And then um, there's a few other people and sometimes they work together and they do them together and sometimes they do them by themselves. And so I listen to uh, all their channels, but uh, my mind's spacing it. So yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. But, yeah, I just, just find it fascinating. Yeah, what every now thing? and then you'll find one that's, that's a really good one where it's like each fact has nothing to do with the last. Mm -hmm. And they'll just share random facts like, oh, by the way, the platypus glows underneath the black light. And you're like, oh, no, no way. way. <laughs> you know, and just, it's just fun. And it sounds like you retain them too. Probably the, the wackier ones are the ones that you really retain. But. Yeah, I like to throw them in little ra quizzes for my kids. <laughs> so like they'll get these like art topic question and a random question about uh, rubber bands. And they're like, why is this question in here? You know? Awesome. So. so do you, this is, this is one of my favorites. Uh, well, I have a lot of favorites of these questions, but I think um, you will have a great answer to this. And it, the question is, do you use meditation as a tool? Absolutely, absolutely. So um, a little bit about me is that uh, about four years ago, yeah, something like that. Well, five years, I, I really got sick, but I got into this four years ago. But um, I started getting really sick, and I couldn't figure out why I was getting sick. And about four years ago, I started picking up different meditation practices to help me deal with it. Because uh, we were going to doctor after doctor after doctor and after a dozen doctors of them being like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I resorted to alternative medicine, which took me to different spiritual healers and things like that. And, you know, uh, uh, Eastern medicine and stuff like that. And they all required me to do different meditative practices. And so that's where I started learning them and picking them up. And so I started picking those up. And it, originally it was just for my health, but it has turned into something that I use on the daily basis. And I, I definitely use it uh, with art as well. I'll, I'll meditate on my art. You know, uh, you know, I'll do different breathing activities to get myself ready for it and things like that. So uh, yeah, meditation is very important to me now. Awesome. Yep. And I think it can be great too. I, I know I, I don't do official meditation, but I, I do think so much about my ideas and colors. Most, most of my meditation, I think is colors. Um, but it feels so good just to, to be in your own head, not have the, the stress or the pressure of actually painting on a canvas and just sit there and think about it. And some of those are my greatest moments, I think. And, mm -hmm. and you can get into your own flow that way, I think. Yeah. The one downside is I tend to have a lot of ideas that I think are so amazing. And I go to do it and I'm like, what was the idea? <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I can't you don't remember. want to break your, break your meditation. Yeah, you don't break the meditation to write, write it down. Right. Yeah, no, so like I, there's so many times I go to, I go to actually actualize, you know, make it happen, right. and I'm like, oh, no. Right, and I know it was really cool. Yeah, I have that too. Yeah, you two are so young. Just wait till you get my age. <laughs> and that's like, um, uh, when did I get up this morning? Where did I park the car? Let's see. So my last question is, do you have any tips or tricks that you'd like to share? And that can be anything. Yeah. Um, yeah, be daring, be willing to try new things. I, th I think that's the biggest uh, tip that I can say, uh, because you know, if you're willing to you know, get yourself out there to try something new, you might discover something that you like. Mm -hmm. And so that is definitely one of them. Uh, Another one that I'm going to suggest is, especially for the young people, if someone young is listening to us, please heed these words. Take advantage of every opportunity that comes your way. When I was in high school, um, I never took free periods. And it blew me away once I became a teacher to find out 
almost every single kid has free periods. And I'm like, why would you have a free period? That's what does a that class even you mean? Take. I don't think we had that one. <laughs> a free period is when you don't have to go to class. Now, that was the thing when I was in school, you know, how long ago was that? 14, 15 years ago? Oh, you're a puppy. 16 years ago. <laughs> okay, so, um, yeah, so like, it was a free, there's free periods then, but I never did that because, you know, I, I had a lot of friends who do it to get early release. Uh-huh. And, or they'd have the late show up, you know, that was the only options. Oh, yeah. Uh, nowadays, you can just take a free period whenever you want, which is baffling to me, but... Uh, they'd do that, you know, because they, they wanted other things in their schedule, whether it be work or just sleep in. Uh-huh. And uh, I was like, why would you do that? I mean, there's another class you can take. Right. And, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, I took every advantage I could get to get every single class I could possibly get because, you know what, you have a free education. Right. Uh, and well, I always take think, advantage of that. Yeah, go take pottery or, you know, oh, yeah. go take, even if you have all of your electives <laughs> covered, this is a beautiful opportunity to learn things that, Maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity later on down the road to, yeah, to do. And yeah. Like I took a, it was called commercial art class when I was in high school. And basically we painted the banners that were all over the school to advertise um, dances or, or different activities. And you never hear of that kind of stuff. And, you know, we learned to use these big brushes and how to letter and, you know, and do some shadows on lettering and stuff like that. And where else in the rest of your life are you going to learn to do that? And, it, you know, I mean, where else are you going to need big banners? But I always look back on that, and I think, I'm so glad I just jumped into that. Yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. So those are those are uh, my, uh, my biggest tips right there, you know? Awesome. Seize the day. Seize the day. I love it. So, and then I would like to ask, because we kind of end, well, this is our first episode, so what am I saying? We end all of our episodes, but we end all of our, or we will end all of our episodes oh, okay. with... What has inspired you this week? Oh, excellent question. Okay, so uh, this week, uh, you know, so school ended two weeks ago, and so uh, uh, all of my artwork has had this theme where there's like trees and a hammock and me in it. And awesome. <laughs> uh, so, oh, actually, that's been one of them. Uh, I've actually done a lot of self portraits too uh, this last two weeks. So, I guess uh, myself has been my own my own uh, inspiration. And uh, so uh, just doing a lot of work where I just get to kind of play around with myself doing things. I have a self-portrait where it's me doing a self-portrait of myself. And then, wow. you know, uh, yeah. So it's just, uh, I guess, kind of uh, me expressing how I'm excited to, you know, focus on myself this summer. Right. I think have that's my inspiration. Awesome. Have a little time off and get to do the things I want. And, that's great. For the most part. So now, <laughs> oh, go ahead. oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to ask. So when you're doing these, what medium are you using just of late when you're doing your portraits? Um, so there's one that is a um, color pencil one, and uh-huh. then there's one that is uh, crayon on construction paper, and then there's one that is uh, actually there's color pencil on construction paper as well. So there's two on construction paper. Construction paper for one is fun because what I did is I cut up pieces of construction paper and glue them together to make a pseudo cubism piece. (laughs) And then I uh, colored each one so it's got a gradient going onto it. So that's that's why I did it that way. Uh, But uh, then I have tissue paper and uh, markers and watercolor and I've just been doing a lot of ones that I can finish in an hour or mm-hmm. less. So so some of them I finished in like, you know, 15 minutes. You know, so it's like I'm going to do an art project today and this one's going to take it. me, uh, you know, 
20 minutes. Let's go. And, you know, so uh, all of them were really fast. Um, the only one that didn't end up being fast was the uh, tissue paper one. Uh, I did not finish that, actually. After, after an hour and a half, I was like, this no. is taking too long. I'm done, fun anymore. <laughs> I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I wanted this to be an hour break. Um, but I'm planning on uh, sitting down because I'm, I'm more than halfway done. So I should be able to sit down another day and just finish it. Um, so, but that was a few days ago. So uh, we'll see if I actually do. <laughs> awesome. I love that you, um, that you're experimenting with different things. I mean, I'm so plain. I, I use acrylic and canvas and that's kind of it. And, and I think it's great when you hear of other people and I'll, and yours are very creative. I mean, cause some people can say, all right, I do watercolor and acrylic and oil where you're saying no, not only that, but, but my surfaces are all creative and neat. I think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. It's fun to experiment. It's fun to try new things. It is. That's how we grow. Yep. So you get, get on Pinterest. Just spin through Pinterest to see funny funny ways people have approached art. And then you're like, ooh, try that. I'm going to try that. I'm going to try that. You know? That's a great so, idea. Yeah, there we go. Thank you for bringing up self-portraits because this question isn't <clears throat> on here. But um, this month, um, Virgin Valley Artists Association and um, the Love Family Mesquite are sponsoring a self-portrait contest. Oh, Okay, and it's on eight and a half by 11 paper, and it's any medium you want, and we might have you provide some um, some instructions or some help for the kids out there who want to enter this contest. Um, what kind of uh, advice would you give them to win? Because there will be winners. Although they'll all be winners, but I must tell you, I, I, I thought it was very good to fire There's no them. wrong way to draw yourself. There you go. Well, the, you know what the flyer said? The flyer said, you don't have to make it look like yourself. You make it look like you see yourself. Mm -hmm. I like that. So might you have any suggestions for yeah. our budding um, our budding Tylers out there? Excellent. So when when you go to approach a self-portrait, uh, one of the things that I think is important is that you need to take a moment to say, what is important to me and what do I want in this? So um, where I have... Uh, me in a hammock and at least two of them right now. <laughs> I think for me right now getting a little bit of R&R &R is important to me So that just happens to be in them, you know uh, You know uh, another one has got me painting, you know, so these are things that are important to me uh, one of them uh, It's just a pencil drawing, uh, but it is uh, me eating while painting in front of my fish tank and watering a plant at the same time <laughs> I love it. so like it's it's got a lot in it it's got a lot and there's like an angel coming down from heaven so it's got like the full spectrum it's got all sorts of stuff and you, and you know what's great about because me again i'm just so focused on things i'm thinking of a picture of a face what you just brought up it doesn't have to be your face it yeah. can be you doing something so yeah yeah i think one of the if you if you, if you like went and googled like famous artists and uh their self-portraits and you got only one picture from each one, you'd find that at least half of them are half body to not full body in front of a canvas painting themselves, you know? <laughs> and then only, you know, a portion of them are just the face, you know? So, yes, there's your face. And, and think of all the fun things you can do with that. Think, you know, look at your facial features and say, what do I like about my face? You know, um, I my nose was broken a few years ago right here, so I've got this new crook in my nose. And so whenever I draw myself now, since that, uh, I always put that crook in my nose. You because earned that. I earned that. I'm going to emphasize it. And I had a student tell me I drew myself wrong. And I was like, nope, 
nope. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> they're like, no, your nose is straight. I'm like, ah, sort of. Right. Well, and I so. like I like the idea because I, I think I actually, when we were talking about doing portraits of ourselves, I was similar to Steve thinking, and I'd sit in front of, front of a mirror and, and paint what I see. But I think what you're saying is, or I mean, my interpretation is we're not just our faces. A portrait is, you know, and, and we don't pick you this, are. you know, we, we got, yeah, this is how we are. But where you put all your other interests in, that's who you are, I think is, and that's what we want to express. I, if I want to say, here's who I am, I would definitely put, I have all kinds of loves and passions that I would put in there. And, and maybe I would just be teeny in there because our face is just our face. It's not yeah. who we are. So Absolutely. I think that's a really good idea. Fantastic. I'm glad that question came up. Me too. So, well, Tyler, um, thank you very much. Um, you were you, you were our first choice for our first guest. I hope all our other guests don't feel bad about that. But when we decided on this, when we talked about doing this, it was who will our first guest be? And I think we were pretty much at the same time, mm -hmm. Tyler. Yep. Yep. And this is this has been fantastic. Yep. Right. Great Excellent. way to launch us out. I think. Well, thank you. Thank you. So we appreciate it. Um, go have a good trip. I will. I will. And enjoy some R&R. &R. I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. Taking my hammock with me. Awesome. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> All right, Tyler, thank you so much. Thank you. Very well. Summer's here. I'm falling. I've got my rubber sandals. Got my straw hat. Drinking cold beer. So, Steve, what's inspired you this week? Well, this is our first week of podcast. Are you tired? I am. Yeah, I'm pretty much. It's been fun, though. Really tired, but it's been inspiring because mm -hmm. I think that neither one of us knew how this was going to turn out. Were we going to look at each other and try to talk and totally freeze up and then have our guest? be there and we didn't know who's our even guest we can't even remember who our guest is <laughs> um, but we didn't do that and we brought in some good guests we probably shouldn't talk about how many podcasts we've made because what we want everybody to think is that we do one every week but hey. we did get a little ahead yeah we are, we're getting a little bit ahead and they're amazing so there's lots in store so inspiring for me with this besides that i think we've we've worked a good report we talk well together and laugh and joke and I think make our um, our guests at ease I think all of them been at ease is that our oldest son and I think I've told you he's the one that has the gallery in Lone Pine California I'm giving him free advertisement um, he's been after me when are you starting when are you going to get the first one out so um, I sent him a 14 minute clip the other day I forget which one we did but um, I sent it to him and then uh, then he got back to me and said oh my god he said this is great he said you you guys laugh you talk he said it's real at ease and then he said the best thing he said to me was um you only gave me 14 minutes i want more and um that kind of bursted me with pride mm -hmm. is right. bursted a word <laughs> it made me prideful right. so i think um i don't know how to go for us but success so far yes yes high five and we'd high love five. to hear from you if you have any suggestions or questions or ideas for guests yeah absolutely so that's what inspired me and how about you so I just got back from Salt Lake I do I split my time 
and it was beautiful up there. Everything's so green and it smells good. And June is absolutely beautiful in Utah, in northern Utah. Um, and everything was out in bloom. Uh, and I, I got inspired because we have hummingbirds, we have bees. And when I've gardened before, you can um, get garden plans that are specific to you know, insects in general or just birds, butterflies. And they're beautiful, and, and these plans will show, they kind of stagger, so they have tall plants in the back and, you know, different variations of, of clumps of flowers. And I've really been trying to uh, explore different compositions and what, what do our eyes find interesting. And there's, you know, some of the, the really common ones, such as the rule of thirds and the golden ratio. And um, so, I, you know, I actually tried to, to really focus on those, and then I tried to do some that's just more scattered, which... Uh, it's kind of what those garden plants are. So I'm going to try one that's a butterfly, one that's a hummingbird, and maybe even a cute bee one. So anyway, that's that got me expired and thinking about different things and um, just playing around with composition. That's kind of my buzzword today. Cool deal. Composition? Yep. Hey, what an episode, huh? What a guest. Tyler is freaking wonderful. So, Tyler, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, We really enjoyed it. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Okay, and the other thing is um, we've had a great host today. The Women's History and Cultural Center um, has hosted our podcast today. They have a nice quiet room. and um, really, really nice facilities. And we're going to post a couple pictures we took outside um, with Tyler. Some of them, they have really pretty murals. And then who else do we thank? We thank, of course, our sponsor, the Virgin Valley Artists Association. And um, that's it for the Art Box. Thank you, guys. Bye. Broadcasting from Mesquite, Nevada, in the scenic Mojave Desert, The Art Box sponsors thank you for listening. To find our next and past podcasts, visit us online at mesquitefineartcenter.com.